So, Hotch, do you got any more questions? Can I raise a practical question at this point? We're actually going to move on to the Q&A portion. Uh. It's the questions. It's the questions, boy. It's the questions. It's the questions. Did you have a question? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. It's the question that brought you here. Yeah. We're actually going to move on to the Q&A portion of the show. This is a new part of the show where we're going to take emails and questions from at large. This portion of the show is brought to you by JCMA Marketing. At JCMA, we're with you. From web design to digital marketing, technology, and CRM solutions, we help small and medium businesses find their voice and reach their customers, partnering with them long-term to grow the scale of their businesses. Again, you're listening to Getting Split Ready, and I believe you got all the questions. I do, I have all now, the Now, this is free-for-all, right? We have a great panel tonight, so we really want your input. One of the most common questions, other than the shared custody one, was how do I wrap my head around or how do I emotionally adjust to sharing my children with another woman or man, depending on your perspective, um, as a step-parent. How do I adjust to that and how do I deal with that? Because a lot of people aren't ready and don't want to. That can be a really hard thing. And I think it's important to honor your feelings of grief and loss and to become mindful of the feelings of jealousy or, or competitiveness and to detach from ego. So to take off your your ego, we all have them, and to look from a deeper place from within yourself, your your deeper, higher, greatest self, and think about your kid and what's best for them, and think about the gifts that this person may have to offer your child, and perhaps even to you. They could end up being a better co-parent than your former partner, and offer a lot of support to you, and some freedom to do things in your life that you hadn't been able to do previously. For tax question. Can we both file head of household if we do share custody 50-50? No. Mm-mm. Why not? 50-50, that's what they all want to... Um, you, you have to have custody of the child over six months. It's kind of uh, what I said about the parenting plan is um, the only thing that's required, actually required on the parenting um, agreement is the residential parent. That's the parent that can claim the kids. The custodian. Yes. And I think theoretically you could have custodian of one child to one parent and custodian Theor- of one child to the other parent. Theoretically. Could. Right. I, I have clients where you could do they, that. they both do head of household right. because they have two Correct. Two children. Yes. Correct. Yep. I had an interesting question come actually just through through somebody I knew. Um, if you've got two people who got divorced in one state and now neither of them live in that state and they have to go back and renegotiate um, maintenance where where's that governed by like what state do they do it in the state they're living in the state that the payor is living in how does that work it depends it, it does depend so you could always go back to Illinois if if you know they got divorced in Illinois you can always do that um, really you can just you can always just file you know where where they're living but do any judge any judge can place? overrule or, or do they both live in the same jurisdiction now no they're in different states. So neither one of them live in the state. Correct. The original state. Correct. I believe the state that it happened in, that the divorce happened in was Colorado. Mm-hmm. And now they're, one's I think in Illinois. And so one, you would have to else. attempt to enroll the judgment in the jurisdiction where you want to have it heard. Mm-hmm. And how do they do that support. though? If they have an attorney, how do they, how do they pick which attorney gets precedence in doing that? Or is that, it just, that would be a very good where do the time kids to... Kids well, live, I think, in Illinois. It's it's like, but it's like, I guess their kids are adults. No, no, no. 
But you're saying a maintenance issue or a child support? It's child support. Uh, I it's believe where the both. children I'm not reside. Sure. Mm-hmm. If it's after. Is it different between maintenance and child support? Mm-hmm. Well, well okay. child-related okay. issues are going to be addressed typically where the child resides. Okay. Interesting. And if it was under, because I know there's pre-prescribed payments basically based on the age of the kids and all that kind of stuff. How does that, does it just default to that if it was lower? I don't know if I understand the question. If the original settlement agreement had an amount lower than what the amount would be in now the state that they live in, would the judge adjust it to that because that's where the kids live? It depends on the situation because people try to modify. There are any myriad of reasons why someone would seek a modification, whether it be a reduction in income, an increase in income, or a change in the needs of the child. The the usual legal answer is what uh, my... Uh, law school professors always says like the answer to almost every legal question is it depends. Sorry. <laughs> that and rabbis, they, they say the same and thing all therapists, the time. therapists, actually. There's a supervisor at Northwestern that says that all the time and one of the students got it tattooed on her forearm. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, another question for the lawyers is does it matter who files? Mm, in a divorce case, typically no. It's it's not a, a plaintiff defendant thing. It's a petitioner respondent thing. So it, they use different verbiage for that. It, no, it doesn't really matter. I think there's... The, each party can file a motion for whatever it is. It's, you know, someone files for divorce. It's just a part of the process. It doesn't matter who's the petitioner or the respondent. There's some thoughts out there that by filing you become, you put yourself in a better position. There are some thoughts to that. I would disagree with that. I think no. the best per- point in time and the best person to file is when you're split ready. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you are hired. And it's, we're done. No. Because um. <laughs> like, divorce cases are not held in front of a jury to where type of verbiage might could potentially sway someone. It's always in front of a judge, and they've heard a thousand cases before. And no, that It might matter if you're trying to... Um, put forth a claim of some sort of abuse and seeking um, exclusive possession of a residence, protection for yourself or for your children. Um, in that instance, I think it could make a difference. But other than that, those I part, recommend yeah. that my clients work through as much of their agreements as they possibly can prior to ever going to court. You know, we ideally would like to take our clients to court one time at the time of the prove up hearing and resolve everything outside of court. Court is a stressful place. That's a very good point. It's like, yeah, I would agree. Like, if it's an instance of abuse, I would probably say probably better to be the petitioner in that case. So in instances of really high conflict or or abuse, it could be. Um, Most cases, I would say no. How often should we change our co-parenting plan was a question that someone gave. As needed. It's like, it's really just... Like every like, couple of weeks when we don't agree on something? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really just when something, I would say, when something big or major happens or when it's not, or when it's not working anymore. Like, say the child has a, you know, starts like dancing and say dancing's on Thursdays, but then goes to a completely different thing like hockey or something and say hockey is on Sundays. And let's say the parent that has the kid for the Thursday can't take the take them for the uh, their extracurriculars in anymore so you would probably change the agreement for that or like I said just any anything to where any substantial changes like like I said it's just an as needed basis now but will that because we talked about the 146 overnights right if there's a change because of those changed circumstances is it easier than to 
adjust it to where the 146 overnights matters less because there's some type of measurable reason? I mean, a lot of times people yeah. want to also modify support if they're modifying the parenting time. Can always modify you know, support. Ideally, you would want to work with your co-parent and figure out how you get your children's needs met. You know, we like to say that um, an allocation of parental responsibilities and parenting time ideally is a guide and, and you would put that in a drawer and then work with the other parent and you take it out only as you need to. This brings up an interesting question for me and it kind of goes back to the forensic accounting. Are there times post-divorce where there's a petition for a decrease in maintenance or decrease in child support and somebody has kind of figured out, hey, if I do X, Y, and Z since the divorce, I can get those lowered. Do they ever bring in a forensic account to say, no, 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 no. We kind of see what you're doing at this point. Absolutely. You probably get a lot of post-decree yes. issues. Yeah. yeah. So people think they're smarter than the system. I haven't had that happen once because every time I've normally done a um, modifying maintenance or child support, it's always been mom or dad has a new job. So you need to modify the support. Yes, sir. W-2 income earners are usually the easier one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean. <laughs> Another uh, tax question that we got was on the new tax law. Um, I've always paid taxes on the spousal support that I receive. How can I change that so that I don't have to pay taxes? And he does now that the law is that. Um, with like support. With maintenance. Yeah, they, they kind of eliminated that, but it's still grandfathered if it was happening before. Mm-hmm. I think the question was that they don't want to be the ones paying the taxes on the support that they are getting and want to jump on board with the new laws. No, the, the, mm. by, the fact of the new statute being in effect does not modify what they, their judgment. So Correct. their judgment no. is still in place, and that still applies. And like I said, even if you were to go back and like uh, adjust something, it always goes back to that original judgment because like you every case has a number with it. It always starts with like the last two digits of the year. It always goes back to that year. So it always like, like the old statute applies or something like that. I've done a few things where, you know, child support changes kind of often, you know, maintenance changed this year. So it's always, you always have to, we always have to write it in the order. It's based off of the old law or old statute. So the question that kept coming up about having to share their kids with the new step parents, can agreements or rules about introducing new partners be written into the parenting plan or something like that so that there's some groundwork laid before that happens? Yes. In the ounce of prevention type theme. Absolutely. Yes. And issues around overnights when dating and things like that. I think those are good things to address. Like I said, it's uh, the very parenting plans are very, very flexible. So if you want to put something in, in there like that, you absolutely do that. So I've seen some parenting plans that are bare bones and i've seen some that are 20 pages long do you have a preference uh it well it depends on uh, i guess how contested it is and it's like i i mean i always prefer the the briefer ones because it's just very usually to the point but sometimes it's if it's very heavily contested then sometimes you need 28 pages i think typically around somewhere around 20 pages is kind of standard uh, to provide for all of those shared responsibilities when you're talking about a true shared parenting situation of, you know, sharing responsibilities for education, for religion, for medical, um, all of those things, and the parenting time and the holidays, how you're going to share holiday breaks and that. 
um, how you're going to communicate with the other parent. Um, There's an awful lot that goes into it. So, like I said, you know, 20, like 20 pages is good. It's like the ones I've seen can usually average around 12 pages, but there's not as much as they fight over, but it's always, it's always how contested is in my experience. So the most popular question that we got, I say for last, what is child support supposed to cover and what does it not cover? Oof. <laughs> uh, living expenses yeah. of the children. It, that... It, it, Medical ex- out of pocket medical mm-hmm. expenses, extracurricular activities, and other so the extra. Two questions that were: Does it cover um, like travel ball, like expensive extracurricular? Should that be included in child support? And the other question was with um, school registration fees being five hundred dollars per year in some school districts. Is that considered child support? Those were the two examples given. And go. usually when it comes to extracurricular activities i actually normally put the cost like who pays the cost of that uh in the parenting agreement with that like i said it's that because that's always a thing like you know does child support curtis like so give an example if you could well say uh you know i grew up in texas and we always had a uil thing for anything for came for like sports like football or band or choir, you had to pay uh, $175 uh, for a UIL registration fee in Texas. So you can poly- you can put in the, mer- the settlement agreement that, you know, X parent is going to pay the UIL registration fees for that. And like I said, it can be the person who's receiving child support, it can be the person who's paying child support. It, you can usually modify with that, but would that be counted as part of child support? Yep. Probably. What if you have little kids and you don't know what kind of activities you're looking at? That you're not, you don't know that you're going to have a, a concert violinist on your hands and going to have all those I mean, expenses. Typically, yeah. we're seeing that extracurricular expenses are apportioned in relation to the income of the parties. Yeah, exactly. And also mm-hmm. by agreement. And also, can one or the other afford it? So, You know, there are a lot of things that come into play when determining whether or not there's going to be a contribution to those extracurricular expenses. And sometimes we have to go back in and ask for a contribution if the person isn't willing to contribute. And then the court is going to consider, you know, the respective incomes of the parties, the particular extracurricular activity in light of the aptitude of the child, the, the, you know, desire of the child. I always put one thing in my parenting agreements called a true update. And that's where they kind of, um, at least once a quarter, usually, because it's a little hard, how say it's a little more stressful to do it once a month, is where they come together, the parents come together and they see what they paid for and try to make that 50-50. If one person paid more, then they true up and, you know, pay them their portion. And there's some great technology out there for, to do that now so they don't have to sit down at the kitchen table with their individual's receipts and spreadsheets and go over money because that would work out super well for a lot of divorced parents. But, but I would always say, like, you know, when it comes to extracurricular activities, like, you know, paying for the violin, just pay, you know, just don't worry about, like, oh, is this what going to be covered by the um, child support payments for that? Just kind of, yeah. I mean, it, it could get it, into a lot of money, kids. though. You can. You know, travel yeah, baseball. Sure. We have a oh, guest yeah. speaker. Hold yeah. on one moment. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was, it <laughs> yeah, very was no, that is, that is I think We're going question freeform. was, what does child support cover? And we got into a discussion about extracurriculars. Okay. But I always say the short and sweet of it, roof overhead, food on table, shoes on feet. 
that's the kind no of the basic. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very so good that's the basic, you know, roof, uh, clothes, food is the basic child support. And then we get into, well, that's not the complete child. So that's how I kind of like for a client when I think when the question is asked is, well, I'm paying child support. Why do I have to pay all these other things? But child support really is the basic needs of the child. But I think you have to really explain that to a client because I think a lot of conflict revolves around this. That's but actually, I am paying a, child support. That's actually yeah. a very good explanation. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, there's there, there, well, there's my kids are different amounts, so I don't know how I mean, it builds I've read that one books out. that say okay. Your child supports X amount. Four percent goes to transportation. Twenty-three percent, you know, they they break it down <laughs> yeah. that much. Oh yeah, you know, I think it's who governs it, the Food and Drug Administration, or the no, it's uh, you know, the, the FDA. Yeah, I think they. Get it so our answer like, what, to what's the, what's the cost uh, to raise a kid? It depends. It I think also our, is our, it depends. our last answer is it depends. <laughs> it depends on the state. I become an expert yeah. tonight. It all, and it, it depends, depends on your judge, frankly. Oh, it does absolutely depend on your judge. Yeah, but I think the extracurricular is a big thing. It really Huge. is, I think, for extracurriculars now versus even when I was a kid versus the the costs and the commitment levels are a lot higher than they used to be. I mean, you look at like a travel stuff. baseball, a hockey, you know, you could be in ten, twenty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Or oh, private yeah. school. Yeah. yeah. You know? I had a and client then, who was in yeah. pageants. The amount they spent Ooh. on dresses and pageants, holy moly. Oh my. Yeah. So. I mean, then you get in a, so the, the situation where maybe, <laughs> you know, okay, travel baseball has cost $3,000, and one of the spouses, well, I don't want to pay for that. Right. So is it an agreed upon thing, or, right. you know, you got to address it? Good, then you got to decide who's going to get the money from the contract. Right? <laughs> right. Well, All I right. think this is a great, great time that you guys have been fantastic guests. Thank you. I think. I'm loving the new format. I think so. Thank you all. Thank you. Um, again, thank you. our guests tonight were. Let me go through. I know who you guys are, but I, you know, just so I don't forget anybody. It's the credentials you need to look. It's at. It's the credentials I got to worry the about. Long Wait, there list. it is. I wonder Here. if he's going to get Mark's name right. There, I, <laughs> no, I, he's more I, I am. Well, you know what? I made a notation on here, which threw me off. So we had Rachel Hernandez, founder of Hernandez Hogue Legal Solutions. Alec Blaylock, attorney from John F. Baker Law, Joyce Martyr, founder of Urban Balance, and Mark Macknick from Mark Macknick, CPA. Thank you for joining us tonight for our Getting Split Ready podcast. And if you or someone you know is considering or going through a divorce, uh, please go to splitready.com, take the assessment, tell them about the website, and remember that you can get through your divorce with your finances, your integrity, and hopefully some sanity intact. <laughs>